The Catcher in the Rye, Chapter 3 I'm the most terrific liar you ever saw in your life. It's awful. If I'm on my way to the store to buy a magazine even, and somebody asks me where I'm going, I'm liable to say I'm going to the opera. It's terrible. So when I told old Spencer I had to go to the gym to get my equipment and stuff, that was a sheer lie. I don't even keep my goddamn equipment in the gym. Where I lived at Pensy, I lived in the Ossenberger Memorial Wing of the new dorms. It was only four juniors and seniors. I was a junior. My roommate was a senior. It was named after this guy, Ossenberger, that went to Pensy. He made a pot of dough in the undertaking business after he got out of Pensy. What he did, he started these undertaking parlors all over the country that you could get members of your family buried for about five bucks apiece. You should see old Ossenberger. He probably just shoves them in the sack and dumps them in the river. Anyway, he gave Pensy a pile of dough, and they named our wing after him. The first football game of the year, he came up to the school in this big goddamn Cadillac, and we all had to stand up in the grandstand and give him a locomotive. That's a cheer. Then, the next morning, in chapel, he made a speech that lasted about ten hours. He started off with about fifty corny jokes just to show us what a regular guy he was. Very big deal. Then he started telling us how he was never ashamed, when he was in some kind of trouble or something, to get right down on his knees and pray to God. He told us we should always pray to God, talk to him and all, wherever we were. He told us we ought to think of Jesus as our buddy and all. He said he talked to Jesus all the time, even when he was driving his car. That killed me. I can just see the big phony bastard shifting into first gear and asking Jesus to send him a few more stiffs. The only good part of his speech was right in the middle of it. He was telling us all about what a swell guy he was, what a hot shot and all. Then all of a sudden, this guy sitting in the row in front of me, Edgar Marsala, laid this terrific fart. It was a very crude thing to do, in chapel and all, but it was also quite amusing. Old Marsala, he damn near blew the roof off. Hardly anybody laughed out loud, and old Ossenberger made out like he didn't even hear it. But old Thurmer, the headmaster, was sitting right next to him on the rostrum and all, and you could tell he heard it. Boy, was he sore. He didn't say anything then, but the next night he made us have compulsory study hall in the academic building, and he came up and made a speech. He said that the boy that had created the disturbance in chapel wasn't fit to go to Pensy. We tried to get old Marsala to rip off another one right while old Thurmer was making his speech, but he wasn't in the right mood. Anyway, that's where I lived at Pensy old Ossenberger Memorial Wing, in the new dorms. It was pretty nice to get back to my room after I left old Spencer because everybody was down at the game and the heat was on in our room for a change. It felt sort of cozy. I took off my coat and my tie and unbuttoned my shirt collar, and then I put on this hat that I'd bought in New York that morning. It was this red hunting hat with one of those very, very long peaks. I saw it in the window of the sports store when I got out of the subway, just after I noticed I'd lost all the goddamn foils. It only cost me a buck. The way I wore it, I swung the old peak way round to the back. Very corny, I'll admit, but I liked it that way. I looked good in it that way. Then I got this book I was reading and sat down in my chair. There were two chairs in every room. I had one, and my roommate, Ward Stradlater, had one. 
His arms were in sad shape because everybody was always sitting on them, but they were pretty comfortable chairs. The book I was reading was this book I took out of the library by mistake. They gave me the wrong book, and I didn't notice it till I got back to my room. They gave me Out of Africa by Isaac Dennison. I thought it was going to be... I thought it was going to stink, but it didn't. It was a very good book. I'm quite illiterate, but I read a lot. My favorite author is my brother, D.B., and my next favorite is Ring Lardner. My brother gave me a book by Ring Lardner for my birthday, just before I went to Pensy. It had these very funny, crazy plays in it, and then it had this one story about a traffic cop that falls in love with this very cute girl that's always speeding. Only, he's married the cop, so he can't marry her or anything. Then this girl gets killed because she's always speeding. That story just about killed me. What I like best is a book that's at least funny once in a while. I read a lot of classical books like The Return of the Native and all, and I like them and I read a lot of war books and mysteries and all, but they don't knock me out too much. What really knocks me out is a book that, when you're all done reading it, you wish the author that wrote it was a terrific friend of yours, and you could call him up on the phone whenever you felt like it. That doesn't happen much, though. I wouldn't mind calling this Isaac Dennison up, and Ring Lardner, except that D.B. told me he's dead. You take that book, of Human Bondage, by Somerset Maugham, though. I read it last summer. It's a pretty good book and all, but I wouldn't want to call Somerset Maugham up. I don't know. He just isn't the kind of guy I'd want to call up, that's all. I'd rather call old Thomas Hardy up. I like that Eustatia Vi. Anyway, I put on my new hat and sat down and started reading that book out of Africa. I'd read it already, but I wanted to read certain parts over again. I'd only read about three pages, though, when I heard somebody coming through the shower curtains. Even without looking up, I knew right away who it was. It was Robert Ackley, this guy that roomed right next to me. There was a shower right between every two rooms in our wing, and about 85 times a day old Ackley barged in on me. He was probably the only guy in the whole dorm besides me that wasn't down at the game. He hardly ever went anywhere. He was a very peculiar guy. He was a senior, and he'd been at Pensy the whole four years and all, but nobody ever called him anything except Ackley, not even Herb Gale. His own roommate ever called him Bob or even Ack. If he ever gets married, his own wife will probably call him Ackley. He was one of these very, very tall, round-shouldered guys. He was about six-four with lousy teeth. The whole time he roomed next to me, I never even once saw him brush his teeth. They always looked mossy and awful, and he damn near made you sick if you saw him in the dining room with his mouth full of mashed potatoes and peas or something. Besides that, he had a lot of pimples, not just on his forehead or chin like most guys, but all over his whole face. And not only that, he had a terrible personality. He was also sort of a nasty guy. I wasn't too crazy about him, to tell you the truth. I could feel him standing on the shower ledge right behind my chair, taking a look to see if Stradlater was around. He hated Stradlater's guts, and he never came in the room if Stradlater was around. He hated everybody's guts damn near. He came down off the shower ledge and came in the room. Hi, he said. He always said it like he was terrifically bored or terrifically tired. He didn't want you to think he was visiting you or anything. He wanted you to think he'd come in by mistake, for God's sake. Hi, I said, but I didn't look up for my book. 
With a guy like Gackley, if you looked up from your book, you were a goner. You were a goner anyway, but not as quick if you didn't look up right away. He started walking around the room, very slow and all, the way he always did, picking up your personal stuff off your desk and chiffonier. He always picked up your personal stuff and looked at it. Boy, he could get on your nerves sometimes. How is the fencing, he said. He just wanted me to quit reading and enjoying myself. He didn't give a damn about the fencing. We win or what, he said. Nobody won, I said, without looking up, though. What, he said. He always made you say everything twice. Nobody won, I said. I sneaked a look to see what he was fiddling around with on my chiffonier. He was looking at this picture of this girl I used to go around with in New York, Sally Hayes. He must have picked up that goddamn picture and looked at it at least 5,000 times since I got it. He always put it back in the wrong place, too, when he was finished. He did it on purpose, you could tell. Nobody won, he said. How come? I left the goddamn foils and stuff on the subway. I still didn't look up at him. On the subway, for Christ's sake. You lost them, you mean? We got on the wrong subway. I had to keep getting up to look at the goddamn map on the wall. He came over and stood right in my light. Hey, I said, I've read the same sentence about twenty times since you came in. Anybody else except Ackley would have taken the goddamn hint. Not him, though. Think they'll make you pay for him? He said. I don't know, and I don't give a damn. How about sitting down or something, Ackley kid? You're right in my goddamn light. He didn't like it when you called him Ackley Kid. He was always telling me I was a goddamn kid because I was 16 and he was 18. It drove him mad when I called him Ackley Kid. He kept standing there. He was exactly the kind of guy that wouldn't get out of your light when you asked him to. He'd do it, finally, but it took him a lot longer if you asked him. What the hell are you reading, he said. Goddamn book. He shoved my book back with his hand so that he could see the name of it. Any good, he said. This sentence I'm reading is terrific. I can be quite sarcastic when I'm in the mood. He didn't get it, though. He started walking around the room again, picking up all my personal stuff and Stradlater's. Finally, I put my book down on the floor. You couldn't read anything with a guy like Ackley around. It was impossible. I slid way the hell down in my chair and watched old Ackley making himself at home. I was feeling sort of tired from the trip to New York and all, and I started yawning. Then I started ho horsing around a little bit. Sometimes I horse around quite a lot, just to keep from getting bored. What I did was, I pulled the old peak of my hunting hat around to the front, then pulled it way down over my eyes. This way, I couldn't see a goddamn thing. I think I'm going blind, I said in this very hoarse voice. Mother darling, everything's getting so dark in here. You're nuts, I swear to God, Ackley said. Mother darling, give me your hand. Why won't you give me your hand? For Christ's sake, grow up. I started groping around in front of me like a blind guy, but without getting up or anything. I kept saying, Mother darling, why won't you give me your hand? I was only horsing around, naturally. That stuff gives me a bang sometimes. Besides, I know it, I know it annoyed the hell out of old Ackley. He always brought up the old sadist. He always brought out the old sadist in me. I was pretty sadistic with him quite often. Finally, I quit though. I pulled the peak around to the back again and relaxed. Who belongs to this? Ackley said. He was holding my roommate's knee supporter up to show me. That guy Ackley'd pick up anything. He'd even pick up your jock strap or something. 
I told him it was Stratlater, so he chucked it on Stratlater's bed. He got it off Stratlater's chiffonier, so he chucked it on the bed. He came over and sat down on the arm of Stratlater's chair. He never sat down in a chair, just always on the arm. Where the hell'd you get that? he said. New York. How much? A buck. You got robbed. He started cleaning his goddamn fingernails with the end of a match. He was always cleaning his fingernails. It was funny, in a way. His teeth were always mossy-looking, and his ears were always dirty as hell, but he was always cleaning his fingernails. I guess he thought that made him a very neat guy. He took another look at my hat while he was cleaning them. Up home, we wear a hat like that to shoot deer in, for Christ's sake, he said. That's a deer-shooting hat. Like hell it is. I took it off and looked at it. I sort of closed one eye like I was taking aim at it. This is a people-shooting hat, I said. I shoot people in this hat. Your folks know you got kicked out yet? Nope. Where the hell's Stradlater at anyway? Down at the game. He's got a date. I yawned. I was yawning all over the place. For one thing, the room was too damn hot. It made you sleepy. At Pensy, you either froze to death or died of the heat. The great Stradlater, Ackley said. Hey, lend me your scissors a second, will ya? You got em handy? No, I packed them already. They're way in the top of the closet. Get em a second, will ya? Ackley said. I got this hangnail I want to cut off. He didn't care if you packed something or not and had it way up at the top of your closet. I got them for him, though. I nearly got killed doing it, too. The second I opened the closet door, Stradlater's tennis racket, in its wooden press and all, fell right on my head. It made a big clunk, and it hurt like hell. It damn near killed old, Ac killed old Ackley, though. He started laughing in this very high falsetto voice. He kept laughing the whole time I was taking down my suitcase and getting the scissors out for him. Something like that. A guy getting hit on the head with a rock or something tickled the pants off Ackley. You have a damn good sense of humor, Ackley kid, I told him. You know that? I handed him the scissors. Let me be your manager. I'll get you on the goddamn radio. I sat down in my chair again, and he started cutting his big, horny-looking nails. How about using the table or something, I said. Cut them over the table, will ya? I don't feel like walking on your crumbing nails in my bare feet tonight. He kept right on cutting them over the floor, though. What lousy manners. I mean it. Who's, who's Stradlater's date, he said. He was always keeping tabs on who Stradlater was dating, even though he hated Stradlater's guts. I don't know. Why? No reason. Boy, I can't stand that son of a bitch. He's one son of a bitch I really can't stand. He's crazy about you. He told me he thinks you're a goddamn prince, I said. I call people a prince quite often when I'm horsing around. It keeps me from getting bored or something. He's got this superior attitude all the time, Ackley said. I just can't stand the son of a bitch. You think he... Do you mind cutting your nails over the table? Hey, I said. I've asked you about fifty... He's got this goddamn superior attitude all the time, Ackley said. I don't even think the son of a bitch is intelligent. He thinks he is. He thinks he's about the most... Ackley, for Christ's sake, will you please cut your crummy nails over the table? I've asked you fifty times. He started cutting his nails over the table for a change. The only way he ever did anything was if you yelled at him. 
I watched him for a while. Then I said, The reason you're sore at Stradlater is because he said that stuff about brushing your teeth once in a while. He didn't mean to insult you for crying out loud. He didn't say it he didn't say it right or anything, but he didn't mean anything insulting. All he meant was you'd look better and feel better if you sort of brushed your teeth once in a while. I brush my teeth. Don't give me that. No, you don't. I've seen you, and you don't, I said. I didn't say it nasty, though. I felt sort of sorry for him in a way. I mean, it isn't too nice, naturally, if somebody tells you you don't brush your teeth. Stradlater's all right. He's not too bad, I said. You don't know him. That's the trouble. I still say he's a son of a bitch. He's a conceited son of a bitch. He's conceited, but he's very generous in some things. He really is, I said. Look, suppose, for instance, Stradlater was wearing a tie or something that you liked. Say he had a tie on that you liked a hell of a lot. I'm just giving you an example. You know, you know what he'd do? He'd probably take it off and give it to you. He really would. Or, you know what he'd do? He'd leave it on your bed or something, but he'd give you the goddamn tie. Most guys would probably just... Hell, Ackley said. If I had his dough, I would, too. No, you wouldn't, I shook my head. No, you wouldn't, Ackley kid. If you had his dough, you'd be one of the biggest... Stop calling me Ackley kid, goddammit. I'm old enough to be your lousy father. No, you're not. Boy, he could really be aggravating sometimes. He never missed a chance to let you know you were 16 and he was 18. In the first place, I wouldn't let you in my goddamn family, I said. Well, just cut out calling me. All of a sudden, the door opened and old Stradlater barged in in a big hurry. He was always in a big hurry. Everything was a very big deal. He came over to me and gave me these two playful as hell slaps on both cheeks, which is something that can be very annoying. Listen, he said, you going out anywhere special tonight? I don't know. I might. What the hell's it doing out? Snowing? He had snow all over his coat. Yeah, listen, if you're not going out any place special, how about lending me your houndstooth jacket? Who won the game, I said. It's only the half. We're leaving, Stradlater said. No kidding, you're going to use your houndstooth tonight or not? I spilled some crap all over my gray flannel. No, but I don't want you stretching it with your goddamn shoulders and all, I said. We were practically the same height, but he weighed about twice as much as I did. He had these very broad shoulders. I won't stretch it. He went over to the closet in a big hurry. How's a boy, Ackley? He said to Ackley. He was at least a pretty friendly guy, Stradlater. It was partly a phony kind of friendly, but at least he always said hello to Ackley and all. Ackley just sort of grunted when he said, How's a boy? He wouldn't answer him, but he didn't have guts enough not to at least grunt. Then he said to me, I think I'll get going. See you later. Okay, I said. He never exactly broke your heart when he went back to his own room. Oh, Stradlater started taking off his coat and tie and all. I think maybe I'll take a fast shave, he said. He was a pretty, he had a pretty heavy beard. He really did. Where's your date? I asked him. She's waiting in the annex. He went out of the room with his toilet kit and towel under his arm. No shirt on or anything. He always walked around his bare torso, too. Because he thought he had a goddamn good build. He did, I have to admit. End of chapter 3